0: Hi, everyone. I'm Risa M. I'm a recovered alcoholic and I've been uh, free of alcohol and um, any other mind altering substances since March 3rd, 2004. And um, I am just so happy to be able to be of service here tonight. Um, it's funny because um Somebody had, uh, had, I guess, not been able to, to make it tonight or canceled or whatnot, and I uh, got a text from Josh, um, you know, asking if, if me or my husband could, could uh, maybe do a talk on the third step, and I had literally just gotten off the phone with my sponsor maybe about half an hour before I got the text, and she was like, well, it sounds like you might be having some third-step issues right now, so uh, it just... <laughs> And, and then, and then my husband texted and said, Hey, I think you should do the talk on the third step. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right. I hear the marching orders. God, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. So, uh, here I am. And it, it's wonderful to be at the grace group. I love this meeting. Um, I, I love the people who put it together and thank you guys so much for having this meeting. Um, I, uh, I have a home group today. Uh, my home group is uh, on, it's called the PPG Webster meeting. And we meet on Zoom on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. Uh, it's really cool. It's a big book study. We study the book line by line. And uh, we go through these questions that are in the study guide uh, printed out and started by uh, the primary purpose group of Dallas, Texas. And uh it's it's just a really cool group. We get a lot of people there from around uh, the country, around the world, and um and I just love it. I absolutely love it. Also, um, I'm a pretty big big book nerd. So um, a lot of my talk is gonna be coming from um, I'll probably be talking about some of the book the big book. So uh, you know, uh if you if you want to have that out, great. If you're not great. Um so uh I I should say and start that like I I get really nervous before I have to talk. You know, I've been doing it a lot. I talk I talk um a bunch of times in front of people and and yeah, every single time I still get nervous. I still get that fear coming in and and beforehand, I, I still have to pray and ask God to remove that fear. And eventually, you know, I'll I'll be talking in my head and at you guys for a little bit. And then at some point during this talk, God's just gonna come in and take me out. And uh, and and that's the magic of this thing. Um I need, I need you to go. <laughs> um So, uh, yeah, this is Max behind me, um, my son and, uh, he, he loves sitting in on some of these meetings and it's, it's, it's great. Um, so, um. I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I thought the third step was, what my my first experiences were with the third step. Um, my first experience with the third step was just sitting um, in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, reading it off the wall. Um, and if I read it off the wall, what it says is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. And I was sitting in the rooms of AA at the time, I, I didn't know if I was an alcoholic or not, I didn't know what alcoholism was, I didn't know that I I didn't believe in any higher power. You guys were not going to trick me into um, believing into in in a higher power, regardless if you put as we understood it and passed that word or not. And um and and I just I was very against it. I was I was just very against that. And um and I uh, I I just I I was like, well, that's I'm not going to do that stuff. You know, I'm I'm not going to do it. Uh, sorry, no, thank you. And um. Eventually, I started to get sick in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, and, um, and I ended up going back out, and I found a sponsor who started taking me through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and, um, and she taught me what alcoholism was. And, uh, and the reason that I'm going a little bit back to the first step is because on page 60, right before we, we get into the third step, it says these three pertinent ideas, And right after the three pertinent ideas, it says being convinced. And the question is, what am I being convinced of? And I'm being convinced of these three pertinent ideas. And the first one of those three pertinent ideas is that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. So if I'm not convinced that I'm an alcoholic and cannot manage my own life, I am unable to be convinced that I need to to even look at step three. And so if I don't know what an alcoholic is, I can't be convinced of that. So one of the things that my sponsor at the time took me through was she taught me about what alcoholism was and and um you know she talked to me about the the allergy you know that that allergy that kicks in when when we take a drink of alcohol and and that alcohol goes into my body and what happens differently in my body than happens in in the body of a of a normal drinker um is that my body it I need more I need more I want more I have to have more um, Um, I can go out and say, I'm only going to have one. Most likely, I never said I was going to only have one. Let's be honest. Um, I went out and said, I'm only going to have two or three. Um, You know, I I don't want to get crazy or anything and just have one. Um, But what would happen is even though I'd have the two or three, I couldn't stop at just that. I, I could I just couldn't stop it just that. and um, and so we went through the allergy and and there's really good information about that allergy and in the doctor's opinion um, and and so I I started to see that I had this allergy in my own life. I, I started to see that when I when I would go out and I promise, the world or myself or my family or friends you know or employers like that i am going to show up <laughs> and and then i go out and have a drink and didn't show up you know um you know i started to see that in my life and and so you know i suffer from this allergy so you know the solution if my problem was just this allergy is just not to drink right and and you know like so i just don't drink But then I have this mind that also is attached that stone cold, sober, stone cold, sober. I'm unable to not drink. I'm absolutely unable to not drink. I might be able to go for a bit and think, okay, I can't drink. I can't drink. I can't drink. And then. You know, something happens, something great happens, and I have to celebrate. Something horrible happens and I have to be in the self-pity party with my drink. Something, you know, or or I don't even realize I'm doing it. And the next thing I know is I'm at a bar drink and I don't even know how it happened. Um, and so what what constitutes me as an alcoholic is that when I put alcohol in my body, I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't have the ability to control how much goes into my body. And then stone cold sober, I'm unable to not not pick up the drink. You know, I, I'm unable at certain times, this book tells us I'm unable at certain times to, to bring into my consciousness the, the suffering and humiliation of even a month or a week ago. You know, I'm without defense against that first drink. So, you know, through my own experience of going through this book with my sponsor and and her teaching me, because that's what she needed to do. She needed to teach me what alcoholism was. And I needed to match what she was teaching me up to my own experience to come up with the idea. I am an alcoholic. And so when I got to that point, I could look at this first pertinent idea, A, That we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. And 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 the thing was is when, when it talks about that unmanageability, it was that I couldn't manage the decision not to drink, you know? And so I was, I was, I was there. I was, I'm like, all right, I got step one. I'm convinced of step one. So now there's another pertinent idea that I need to become convinced of, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. You know, in the doctor's opinion, it talks about frothy emotional appeal, seldom suffices in, uh, more about alcoholism and, uh, You know, it, it talks about all the things that we might have done to not drink, to keep ourselves from drinking. And in, and there's a solution. It talks about all the things people might've said to us to try and talk us out of drinking. And, and what I had to do is also, I had to, I had to match up my experience. What were the things that I tried to do to not drink? What were the things people tried to tell me to get me to not drink? What were all of those things? And uh. And I had to realize at this point that everything that I tried to do in and of myself, I was unable to pick up that drink I was unable that none of it was going to was going to relieve me of this alcoholism, that no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. Now, let's talk about human power for a minute, because human power today that I think of it is more than just another person. You know, it's, it's the, like, if I have the the best job in the world, if I have the best husband in the world, if I have the best family in the world, if I have the most perfect house in the world, you know, none of that, none of that is going to make me feel content on the inside. But the other things that are also this human power is validation love from other people, people telling me that I'm a great person, people telling me I'm a good worker. None of that is going to fill this unease that's inside of me. That makes me want that, that makes me feel, I need to feel relief. You know, I need to feel this relief and I can't get that from anything outside of myself, you know? And, um, And I'm able to see that as I as I'm going through this book, as I'm learning about more and more about what I've tried to do, what 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 perfect little pieces of my life I've tried to put together so that my life is just easy and content enough for me to be able to live comfortably within myself. That's not enough for me to overcome this alcoholism. And so then. If human power can't help me, my own willpower, which is also human power, can't help me. This third, this third pertinent idea that God could and would if he were sought. So the first time I was going through this third step, after I saw it on the on the wall, and after my sponsor had started taking me through these steps and, and giving me this, this knowledge of what alcoholism is through this book. I um, I was able to see that my ideas didn't work. I still wasn't open to this idea of a higher power. Um, I really I, I really was very resistant to that idea and and my my sponsor just threw up her hands and and we were going through the second step and we were looking through we agnostics and and the way I look at we agnostics today is is all right, your ideas didn't work. Can you at least be open to something else working, something else that may be spiritual in nature. Can you at least just be open to that? And, 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 and my, and I, you know, I kept being just so <laughs> resistant to this idea of a higher power and just, and she just finally threw up her hands and said, Reese, can you just at least believe you're not God? Can you just do that? Can you do that? And I said, you know, I, I had to think about it for a minute, and then I realized, you know, mm, yeah, I guess, I guess I didn't make that tree. I didn't make the wind blow. I guess I can come to the idea that I'm not God. I was this atheist that didn't believe in a God, but maybe I was God. I, I just, I find it hysterical um, that <laughs> that just how hypocritical our thinking can become at, so often in in our lives. And so, you know, like, I was like, all right, I'm not God. I can believe that. And she goes, can you at least believe that me working 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm in a better place in my mental and spiritual and in and, and every place in my life than you are right now. And I said, yes, I can believe that. And she's like, so you can believe that this this program worked for me. I said, "Yes, I can believe that." She said, "Then can you believe that it might just might work for you if you do these steps." And I said, "I can do that." And so my first higher power was was working the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It was it was believing that if I did the things she told me to do in this book that I would be able to be happy like she was. And that was my my first kind of openness to something else other than myself and so you know when we got to this step she 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 just you know said at the at that time all right you know we read about this this stage character that we're going to go into a little bit more and we read about all of the selfishness and self-centeredness and, and I didn't really understand it. I really didn't see my life in that light at all, <laughs> at all. I was like, all right, this is for other people, but okay, you told me to go through these steps. I'll read this with you. And I really didn't see it at all. And she said, listen, the decision you you can make here is just to go on with the rest of the program of action you know, that's all the decision you need to make at this point. And so we, we continued on. And as I did the fourth step and as I did the fifth step, my eyes started to really open up to what was written on these pages on 60 to 63. It was really opened up to like, hmm, maybe, maybe, maybe just maybe I might, I might be in these pages. And, uh, And as I continued on with the program, I, you know, I started to recover from alcoholism. And, and, and what I found was that when I reached step 10, I, those promises in step ten where, where alcohol was no longer, it just, it, it wasn't horrible. It wasn't good. It wasn't something I thought about. It just, it just was, you know, and, and I realized that, that I had recovered from this hopeless state of mind and body. And, um. And I didn't think at that time I really ever had to revisit step three. Um, I had this impression um, and I don't know where it came from. It it just was in my mind. Nobody ever told me this or anything, but I had this impression that once I hit step 12, I was free from the selfishness and self-centeredness in my life. That I was no longer this person, that the selfishness and self-centeredness was only because I was drinking, or it was only because I hadn't worked the steps. And I seemed to think that that was, I never really had to go back there. And I'd hear people in meetings say, oh, I have to do step three all the time. And I'd be like, oh, you poor thing, like you poor, poor thing. And, and I just didn't understand it. I started to, uh, continue to, uh, stay sober. And uh, I didn't really do steps 10, 11. I did 12. I, I was really good at first and 12 stepping, like really good at like, I'm powerless. Let me help you. I'm powerless. Let me help you. Um, and then like, you know, sponsors would ask too much of me and other people would want too much of me. And then I'd start to like, you know, kind of push away and, and be like, I don't want to do this anymore. And, and, you know, then I'd go back and first step and 12 step again. And I found myself getting very, very sick. And, um, eventually at 16 years sober, when I, when I was really, um, just in the throes of, of, of so dryity as one of my friends likes to call it. And I was just, dry and crusty and spiritually sick and bankrupt, um, and alcohol. It wasn't really an Alcoholics Anonymous cause I really just wasn't doing any sort of program whatsoever, but, but that's where I found myself at 16 years sober wanting to drink again and, and just desperately needing, needing relief. Um, uh, I got, in all God's beautiful wonder and and love and and yes I do believe in a higher power today I do call it God um my god doesn't look like my husband's god and doesn't look like probably anybody else's god here and I just use it because it's a very simple term um that people understand um and uh and that's that um but in in all of of my higher powers, wisdom and and beauty. Uh, A big book study was placed in my path and I started going to it and they, they went through the book line by line and they studied the book and they studied the words and they studied what the directions were that were, that were put here by our founders. And so I started to go through this and I, I started to have a new understanding of step three. I started to have a new understanding of my selfishness and my self-centeredness. And I started to see how this just absolutely comes into my life on a daily basis, like absolutely daily basis. I do a nightly inventory now. And um, there's not one single night where I go to bed and that there's that question, were you selfish that I ever answer no. You know, if I'm, if I'm to be completely 100% honest with my day in that nightly inventory, there's always been some time or some place where I'm not thinking about anyone but Risa, you know? And, um, and so let's, let's get into the step three a little bit more because it's just, it delights me. And I honestly, it it's, it really is, you know, uh, it, it talks about that this is, um, the, the um, keystone to a new arch. And, and I really need to understand that today um, to really understand how desperately I I need, I need my higher power and I need God. And I, I need to be in a different frame of thinking today um, that I can't do in and of myself. So again, it says being convinced, being convinced of those three pertinent ideas, we were at step three, which is that he decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood him. And then it, it poses this question. is what do we mean by that? And what do we do? That's great. You know, I, I hear all the time in meetings, just turn it over, just turn it over, you know, let go and let God. And, and honestly, that sounds great. It sounds absolutely fantastic. How do you do that? But how do you do that? You know, like I, it's, it's just, you know, like I, I sit there and I'm like, okay, what do I do? Like, do I, do I go and drop something on the ground? And like, God, ta- like, what, what do I do? Well, this book says the first requirement is a, oh, it looks like this book has some instructions on how to do this. So the first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. And here's the thing is like, back when I said, I thought I was rid of all this selfishness. I actually have a comment here that says, what areas am I still trying to control? You know, because yeah, when I first went through these steps, I was trying to control my alcohol use and the steps worked really well for getting rid of this obsession for alcohol. And then I was like, okay, well, I got the rest. You know, I, I got the job and I've got the school and I've got all of that stuff, you know, so I'll take that back, but you can have the alcohol part, you know, and what I've found is that any life run on self-will is hardly a success. So here I am managing, you know, the kids and my husband and my school and, you know, my friends and, and my sponsees, and I'm, I'm sitting here managing all of these things, and and none of it can be a success. Everything's ticking me off because nobody's doing it right. Nobody's doing it right. We'll talk about that a little bit long, down here. You know, it says um, on that basis, we're almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. I'm not out to hurt you. I am not out to hurt anyone. I don't wake up in the morning thinking I'm going to you know, scream at my daughter today. I'm not waking up in the morning saying, you know what, I'm going to take my professor off at school today. Like, that's not what I am thinking. I'm thinking that I know how to make this better for everybody. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that if you follow my direction, you're going to live a happier life. But if it, it has to be in my direction cuz i i know how to do this all and you just need to follow me and and so that's what i'm thinking like it's not necessarily that i think you're um that there's anything wrong with you it's just my my way is better and it's going to be easier for for you if you just follow my way and really in reality if it's easier for you then it's easier for me you know and so <clears throat> Um, On that basis, even though my, my, my motives are good. Then it says most people try to live by self propulsion. Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery and the rest of the players in his own way. You know, as I said um, earlier, my sponsor was like, I think maybe you're, you're at step three, you know, like maybe we got to talk about step three a little bit. I think you need to go to God a little bit more. You're a little bit in your head. And what it, what it, one of the things is I, I have a very busy life today okay very the last few months has been extremely busy for me and I've been running on self-propulsion I don't even know what I'm doing half the time I'm just busting through people's lives I'm busting through school I'm busting through this I'm busting through that I'm not stopping to pray I'm not stopping to think I'm not stopping to do anything I'm just just you know all all you know, Going ahead, just here I come. I'm I'm pounding through. I just got to get this done. I gotta get that done. I gotta get this done. And all of a sudden, I I found myself being very cranky lately, very cranky. Because the thing is, is you're not following the scripts that I've given you in my head. <laughs> And um, I know that I haven't told you what the script is, but you're supposed to know what the script is because I don't have time to tell you about it right now. You just need to go along on the Risa show and follow along with me like I need you. I need you to know where you're supposed to be standing. I need you to know where you're supposed to be holding the light. I need you to know where what music to be playing. I need everybody to know what their place is in my little story in my head, because I just don't have time for this right now. I am on self-propulsion, ladies and gentlemen. I am just going, going, going. And uh, and so I need you guys to 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 pick up the slack for me. And then it says, if only his arrangements would stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. Like if you would just do what I'm telling you to do, I'm going to be happy. If I'm happy, you're going to be happy. And, you know, if you're not happy, it's just because you're doing it wrong. That's not my fault. It's, you're doing it wrong. Um And, you know, everybody, including himself would be pleased life would be wonderful. I, I, and I honestly think that it's, it's funny today because now I, I do inventory and, uh, and there's a part of the inventory where there's this, this part that I do where it's, um, ambition and security. And, and one of them starts with, I wish And one of them starts with, I need, and, and when I take a look at those parts in my inventory and I put down like what I wish to happen in something, or I need this to feel okay, I realize that even if those things were to have happened, I still wouldn't feel okay. I still wouldn't be okay because it's an inside thing. You know, all the things I wish, all of the things I need and want, and all of it's all everybody needs to, to collaborate around Risa. And yet I still feel icky inside. I still feel uncomfortable inside. I still feel like I'm empty inside. Something is missing. And so I start to, to manipulate, move things around even more. The rest of this paragraph talks about what's called what, what I like to think of as the toolkit of self will. You know, um, well, the the late, wonderful, wonderful Charlie Parker talked about this tools, toolkit of self-will. And, uh, you know, it talks about in trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. And And again, this doesn't go into these huge life dilemmas. This goes into like small little things that happen on a daily basis. You know, I'm a mother of two young children, eight and 10. So the first thing is I need them to do what I want them to do. So what do I do? I start sticker charts. I start giving prizes. I start giving rewards. I start bribing them you know, and that's, I'm being nice, mommy. This is nice, mommy. If you just do what I tell you, if you just do this, if you just do that, I'll get you this candy. I'll get you this gift. I'll take you out to this thing. And that's not working. They're still not doing it. They're still not listening. And so nice mommy goes away and out comes rageful screaming, mommy, you know, Get up to your room. You're never coming out of here until you do what I tell you. You have to do. You know you're. You know, just like vengeful, angry. I take them personally. I like it's. You know, I start instead of the the good stuff. I'm giving them the the consequences, and you're not going to be able to do this. And I'm taking your toys away from you. And I'm doing this and that. You know, and it's again, it's this toolkit of self-will. On the other hand, as I was saying, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest, but as with most humans, he is more likely to have varied traits. And I just continue to flip-flop as I need it to go. I'm nice until, I, until I'm not getting what I want, and then I turn to mean until I'm not getting what I want, and then I move to nice, and then i mean, and then I'm nice. And it just goes back and forth like that over and over and over again. What usually happens, the show doesn't come off very well. He begins to think life doesn't treat him right. He decides to exert himself more. He becomes on the next occasion still more demanding or gracious as the case may be. Still, the play does not suit him. And here's the thing. This makes it sound like what I want doesn't happen. And there are times in my life where what I want has exactly happened as I planned it all of the players have been exactly where they needed to be. Everybody has used the script that I have in my head for them. All of the lights are right where they're supposed to be. And the music is perfect. And yet it still doesn't come out the way I want it to. And it still, I feel this uncomfortability, this, this un... Ease in, in my soul. I still have the self-pity. I still feel uh, you know, just like this this worthless piece of human at times, because my problem isn't all of that stuff, it's not all that stuff. Let's skip a little bit down. Um, it, it says he becomes angry, indignant, self-pitying. What is his basic trouble? Is he not really a self-seeker, even when trying to be kind? Yeah. I need you to do this show the way I want you to, because I need to feel good and comfortable inside. And if you're not doing this the way that I want you to do it, I'm not going to feel uncomfortable. I'm not going to feel comfortable inside. I don't care so much about you in this play. I just need you to do it as I want you to do it. You know, it says, is he not a victim of the delusion that he can rest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he only manages well? So the word victim in the 1930s meant duped or fooled. It didn't mean victim the way that we see it today. It meant duped or fooled. And then the word rest means forcibly pull from a person's grasp. So what this is saying is, am I not fooled by the delusion that I can pull forcibly satisfaction and happiness out of this world if I only manage well? So I'm fighting for the satisfaction and happiness. I don't know about anybody else on here, but I know that when I'm fighting anything, I'm certainly not happy or satisfied absolutely not. But that's what I'm doing. I just, I need to get mine. I need to get mine. I deserve, I got, you know, I deserve, I, I work so hard for this. Don't they see me like, you know, just I, 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 me, 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 me. And don't you all see (laughs) that, that this is just, this is what I need from you. You know, um, it goes into, um, on page 62, it starts to talk about what our real problem is, you know, here, you know, here I am in Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm at step three. We've just talked about what alcoholism is. We've just talked about the problem that, that, that I have absolutely no control over my drinking. We have absolutely we've talked about not being able to manage the decision to stop drinking, and that maybe there's another 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 you know another solution that i haven't tried yet and then at 62 it comes here and it tells me what my problem is and it doesn't say alcohol in the whole paragraph at all it says selfishness and self-centeredness that we think is the root of our troubles that's the root of my troubles and I like to, I'd like to, I, I heard another speaker once and she talked about how she likes to think of herself like this tree, you know, and I like to think of the tree too. I really like this tree idea. Um, and, and especially because when we read in Bill's story, we talk about how he talks about how Abby's roots, uh, grasped a new soil, you know? So, so it talks about that that selfishness to self-centeredness is the root of my problem. So if, if, if I always am going to have these selfish self-centered roots and they're grasping the me soil, they're not doing so well, but maybe just maybe if I find another soil for them to grasp, they'll be fed by something else other than Reese's ego, you know? And so I like that, that thing. And so I, I think of these roots and then I think of this, this, this trunk of a tree and out from it stems these branches. And, then, and later in the fourth step, it starts to talk about resentment, fear, conduct, our or sex conduct, and that those are, those are the manifestations of self that it talks about. And so I think about this tree and I think of these roots. And then I think of these branches as like fear and resentments. And, and, you know, this this conduct inventory, um, and I, I look at those, and it says, um, driven, you know, driven by 100 forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. So those 100 forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, those show up as my defects of character. You know, so off of all of these branches of manifestation of self from resentment and fear and, and how I conduct myself around other people, are these defects of characters. Those are, I think of the leaves, you know, these little leaves just all around my tree. Um, you know, and th- those are these these um just the the defects of character and and um, those are the those are the things that I've picked up along my life trying to live life in self propulsion you know trying to live life to suit my needs you know and 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 those are those things that i've picked up these quote unquote tools that i've utilized to get what i need done because i haven't ever i i have never learned any other tools i've never learned any other ways so that's these these leaves and it says that driven driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking and self-pity. So between fear or er, driven and, and self-propulsion, I just, I, I think of myself as like this rowboat with this engine on the back and I just pull it and off I go, you know, like off I go and I don't know where I'm going to end up going, but I'm driven there and and it's going and I'm just all over the place and I'll just land wherever I land. And usually it's on your toes. I didn't mean to end up on your toes, but it is on your toes, and then you're angry with me, and I don't see that I've done anything wrong. You know, I'm just trying to get my, you know, my needs met here, and now you're angry at me. So I, I don't, I don't like how that looks. So now I'm mad at you. You know, it, it makes sense to me. <laughs> um, it says sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation. You know, um, I, like I said, I'm blind to this. I'm absolutely blind to my selfishness. I, 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 you know, there are times I've I've been doing step work. I've been doing inventory. I've I've been doing this long enough where where I am a lot more awake than I used to be. I'm a lot more awake, and I'm a lot more, um, you know, able to see it, um, either in the moment of it happening or after. I I I still have a hard time seeing the before you know like the length let's take a pause you know I am practicing that pause it's going to be a practice probably for the rest of my life to pause before making decisions or opening my mouth when upset and frustrated um but but I I, I don't see it I'm in this I'm, you know like And when I'm walking around and I, and, and I'm just living life on self propulsion, I'm not, I'm not seeing my selfishness. I'm seeing how life can be better for you. And for me, if you just do what I ask you to, or just do it as I say, but I just, I, I'm so blind to it when it's happening, you know, I, I'm so blind to it. Um, and, uh, it, it doesn't, and, and then you come back at me and I'm like, what just happened? Like, I, you know, like i am you know, what, what like I startled awake all of a sudden and I don't know what just happened, but I'm going to be upset with you for it. You know, <laughs> um, there's a funny story. So, so as I said, I, I, I thought that selfishness and self-centeredness was, would, would go away. Um, but that, that wasn't something for me anymore. And, um, after I've done the steps and, and after I've, I've, I've you know, had the spiritual awakening and in this, in the 12th step, I I thought one also, I also thought you only had one spiritual awakening. Um, and, uh, and that would keep you going for the rest of your sobriety and life. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I was going through this third step and, and I really like was, was having a new experience with it. And I, it was so small. I was making dinner and I, you know, at the time I was, I was very selflessly making dinner for my family. I, my husband likes when I cook and I had found a new recipe and I was very happy to make this recipe. And I was very excited about, you know, giving him something that he, that would make him happy. And we sat down at the dinner table and, And he, he picked up the fork and he took a bite of, of a side dish. And I was very upset because I made the main meal and he wasn't tasting it the way that I needed him to taste it right then and there. He wasn't ready yet. And I was getting very upset by this. And so he picked up um, a side dish and I just stare at him. I haven't even touched my food yet. The kids are there. I haven't talked to them. I'm just literally glaring at him across the table and I, and I even looked at him. I said, you're tasting the wrong part. And so he finally, he picks up the, the, the knife and fork and he cuts in and it was chicken and he picks it up and he, he takes a bite of the chicken and he didn't, he didn't go, Oh my gosh, this is amazing right away. He didn't do it at all. He was like, Hmm, this is good. And as I said, he, he, he doesn't tell me, he doesn't do the script I've planned out for him in my head. Like the script is that he puts that in his mouth and he jumps for joy and tells me it's the most amazing chicken he's ever had in his whole entire life. And he'll never be able to eat chicken ever again, unless it's my chicken that I just made him. And that's not what he said. What he said is, "Hmm," that's it. And I... Was done. I, I couldn't even eat. My my spiritual. <laughs> I was so sick in my stomach. I couldn't eat. I started to like holding the tears. It was it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. I I ended up just sitting there. Everybody's trying to have a wonderful family meal, and I'm just sitting there seething in my seat over this, and I'm just. Just so disgusted by the way that he reacted, and I can't eat dinner with my kids, and all that. I just, I just get up finally after ten minutes of sitting there, and I go up to my bedroom and cry over. I mean, and it's so small, so small. And I call my sponsor up, and I'm raving, like I'm just, can you believe it? And she just gets, just very calmly, and she goes, "You are so selfish." I'm like, what are you talking about? I made him this meal. He was there. Like I made him this meal to enjoy it. And she's like, yeah, you made him a meal to enjoy. And you wouldn't let him just enjoy it the way he wanted to enjoy it. You needed a certain reaction. You needed him to follow this way that you had in your head because you really weren't thinking about him. You were thinking about the reaction and validation you were going to get from making him this meal. And I about fell on the floor. My jaw dropped. I fell on the floor. And I just it just hit me as to how, even in the tiniest details of life, that, that all I can think of is me, you know? And it, it, just, it just, it made this step so much louder and so much more clearer. And she's like, I can't believe you ruined your family meal because he didn't give you the reaction you, what about your children? Did you get to find out how their day was? Did you ask your husband how his day was? did you even talk as a family i was like no and she was like i can't like she she just and it just hit me between the eyes so hard that on a daily basis in the smallest minute places of my life you know it's not that i always think i'm the greatest or i'm the worst it's just i only think about risa you know it's all i think about And so that moment, that moment, so small, yet so clear, hit me so much harder about how badly and desperately I needed a relationship with this power greater than myself. Because in and of myself, I am unable to be selfless or yeah, selfless. I'm unable to be rid of these character defects. I cannot just wake up in the morning and be like, yep, okay, I'm not going to be angry today. Yep, okay, I'm not going to be selfish today. Yep, okay, I'm going to be, you know, one of God's soldiers. Yep, okay, I'm going to put everybody else before myself. I can't do that. I can't do that. In and of myself, I cannot do that. And when I, that hit me so hard and I realized the only thing that was going to be able to help me was a power greater than myself. The only thing that could help me do that was God. So when I got down to this bottom paragraph on page 62, where it said, this is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father. We are his children. I was finally able to open up and realize how deeply that decision was that I needed to make. You know, this is just a decision. And, and at first it was a decision when I first took this step, it was a decision to go on the rest of the, with the rest of the steps. Every other time that I've made this decision, it's been a decision to continue to build my relationship with a higher power because one spiritual experience is not going to cut it for this, this chick, you know, one, one, one quick high to God is not going to do it. I need a relationship with that higher power that I have built and believed in, and I have faith in that higher power that even when my life is going bad, it's going just the way that God wants it to go. That even if life doesn't look like it's Reese's way or the highway, that that it is absolutely necessary for me to be in whatever pain, whatever hurt, whatever happiness, whatever growth, whatever freedom I'm supposed to be there because my life today revolves around God and God's children. You know, the, the promises that are on 63, the third step promises talk about we become less and less interested in ourselves. And I found that to be true. The more inventory that I do, the more nightlies I I continue to do, the more 10th steps, the 11th steps, the, the, the trying to do these principles in all my affairs, the more I become less and less. I'm never going to be rid of this selfishness and self-centeredness, but I can always have the opportunity to build and grow my relationship with this higher power. And on a daily basis, where I heard all of those people in meetings say, I do the step three on a daily basis. On a daily basis, I wake up and make the decision that again, today is going to be the day. God is the director. I am not. I'm going to follow the directions of God today. God is the parent. I'm, th- I'm just the child. You know, I am. I am. He's my employer. I have to make that decision on a daily basis so that I continue to be of service and usefulness to those about me. And I do that so I can I can stay free and happy in my sobriety today. I haven't thought about a drink in in three years now. I've been continually doing the, the step work and I've been continually building that relationship with God, but on a daily basis, I need to make that decision that I want that relationship with God and that I can't do this by myself. Thanks.
1: Oh, wow. Risa. Ooh, ooh. So powerful. Thank you so much, man. I took a whole page of notes. I am uh, I'm growing. And thank you for being a part of that, Risa. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, go ahead and close the meeting, and then we can chat afterwards. Eric, would you put up a vision for you? And may I have a reader to read a vision for you? All right, I'll read it. Um, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. And we will close with the Lord's prayer. My Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Risa. That was so good. I'm just I uh, love.